everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, your other host. On this show, we are going to the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. And I'm pretty sure I did all of that word for word without looking at the list for the first time. It only took me... 59 episodes. <laughs> Hell yeah. There we go. The Scavengers Network. Creative people. <laughs> creative. Community people. Community. I need to find that recording again at some point and just release that as bonus content. I feel like we've talked about it on so many different shows and different places. Yeah. But James, a long time ago, had to do his read for the Scavengers Network slug that you hear at the end of the shows. And like was given the correct answer by Aaron, but James was just like, no, I've got this. I can do it from memory. And the (laughs) amount of times that James just didn't get it was incredible. Uh, It's, it's fantastic. Now I ain't going to lie to you. The boys done and messed up. They went off on a tangent and just derailed the entire show. Let's get back on track. Shall we? Tangents. That's right, Colin. And we are, I have no idea what I was agreeing to. Have fun editing. Um, We're we're talking about, we're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, Season 7, Episode 1. This episode, you're going to start at 37 minutes and 41 seconds, and you're going to end at 37, wait a minute. Oh, Colin. (laughs) Yeah? We're going into another minute in a scene. I'm unprepared for this. Um, You're going to end it at 39.09. That's, uh, That's more than a minute of a scene. We're making up the time. Yeah, we're We're making up the time. We're making up time fast here. Oh, yeah. Um, Here's the synopsis. Hold on to your butts. I could have cut this into probably several smaller scenes. Um, No. It turns out, but I didn't. Nah, probably not. The mysterious woman tells Freddy that if he delivers a package to the docks, his family's fame, wealth, and glory will be restored. He asks what the package is. She pulls out a small case and gives him a vial of green liquid. Well, she opens a case that has like four vials of green, green liquid and he pulls one out and he says, what is this? And she says, the future. And then he puts it back and they go on their separate ways. Oh, nope, nope, nope. That was in an alternate timeline. Uh, in this timeline, Abel and Luke come out of their hiding places and straight up shoot her. Just straight up shoot her right in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Abel shoots her and Luke comes and stands over Freddy. And he takes a second before he could have just easily shot him to talk a little bit because villains have to have to talk james we've talked about <laughs> this before right. villains have to po- like posture like they have to just like they have to sit there and say listen i've bested you i can now give you or your rescuers time so tell me is this about a gun my- loading thing like you know how back in the day like muskets took forever to no, load because they okay. they i think i think they're not even oh god now i've got to go double check but i don't think they're even using revolvers they're using like straight up guns no, no, no. At this i know point. but like i'm saying like the, the the trope of villains talk a lot do you think that that started because they were like and we fire oh, and we're changing and we're camping and we're <laughs> yes you know that's very possible but i also think that it's like frequently it's the only time where they can get in like the final dialogue and like the final, mm-hmm. like, because truthfully, a trope that I do actually enjoy is like the villain monologue. The villain's monologue, I feel like, is important for two reasons. One, it all, like, 
story-wise gives people the time they need to like find the way to escape or to save the person but also like i feel like any story that you couldn't figure out before comes from that like i think like a good Mm -hmm. example of this is like murder mysteries Oh, for sure. Well, why? Why did you do it? It's like, why did I do it? Because he stole this thing from my life. Like, all of my life I've been wanting (laughs) this, and they took it from me every time. And so, like, them going on that monologue kind of gives you a moment for the, the person watching to either hate them more, if that's what you're going for, or maybe to sympathize with them. Um, And then also, again, to give time to the person who's like, the detective who they thought they killed, who's been bleeding out in the corner, has been carefully putting one last bullet in the revolver, (sighs) shakily getting their hand up to pow, get them one last time. You can take me, but you won't take another one of them. Uh, Yeah. Detective so-and-so, oh, I can't believe you saved my life. Oh, I can't believe it. Uh-huh. They're there now, Susan. He's gone mm-hmm. just like the villain. Oh, Freddy. Freddy? Uh-huh. No, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, James is like enthralled with this little audio What's drama. What's Susan's story? <laughs> well, Susan has all throughout her life was always uh-huh. winning first place in the spelling bee. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what this all was about. Just, you know, uh, the guy was killing all of his people with bees. Um yeah, it was pretty. No, pretty that's brutal. got a sting. Ooh. Um, James. Uh, you know, sometimes B E E spells murder. All right, so um, Freddie asks why they're doing this, and uh, Luke replies, "Because you are the thread." And then, just as he's about to shoot Freddie, Johnson appears and quakes Abel and Luke into the kitchen. Uh, the scared cooks immediately rush out, and Quake looks at Luke and Abel as they start fighting. Um, that's the full synopsis, two paragraphs, mm-hmm. as opposed to Luke puts on a silencer, which I believe was my last, mm-hmm. uh, episode. <laughs> now I do want to point out though, by the way, that like frequently Mac is like, Hey, tremors, ripples, not waves. And then she, in front of a bunch of people uses her powers. All right. Fair. However, they probably don't one see of the, it. The I most guess, frustrating things of the, uh, of this fight scene that we're about to get mm-hmm. into is how little how little she uses her powers like you know she gets into a full-on fist fight and it's like sometimes just... though like she i think this is very she interesting was... she does this frequently throughout the series actually and i think a lot of it comes down to she was trained as an agent before she got the powers mm-hmm. and sometimes she really could just use the powers but sometimes it's yeah. like that like agent mentality comes into play. And also it's more special effects for people to do after the fact. And James, yep. we're on a we're on a tight schedule and budget. That's true. What are we? Some sort of network television program? Absolutely. Um, all right. So the things that I pulled out of this episode were mm-hmm. one, I could find no information on the actors that played the cooks. None. Just none at all. Um, they were actual cooks in that scene. Just serious They didn't cooks, tell them yeah. they were recording, and then they just threw a man through the door. They were like, oh, my God, they left. Exactly, exactly. Um, they Yeah, this is method acting, but surprise, <laughs> you're method acting. Um, <laughs> now, see, that actually would be pretty cool. If you could find a way to make sure people didn't do anything too crazy sure. right? in a scene that you're recording, the best acting, because here's the thing, acting is reacting 
So if you uh-huh. could actually get some method actors by like faking something like, you know, like an explosion or whatever in like a sea yeah. of people. I mean, sure, that I guess causes panic. So maybe that's not a good idea. But Are the idea of like punks, is this punked? This is the idea of punked. I guess, but see, I feel like punked is more about like you get like rich and famous people. Like yeah. you get Mila yeah. Kunis to be like, you towed my car, you know? Right. Um, He's like, ha ha, got you. I mean, we did tell your car, but we just moved it around the corner. We got it. It's right here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Damn, Jackie, I can't control the tow trucks. Anyway, (laughs) uh, that's a fun little That 70s Show reference. Classic reference. Because it's classic to the MCU. Mm, eh. Anyway, what else do you have, James? The other thing I have is uh, Luke says his catchphrase, which is quake. It's fun when someone's name is your catchphrase. Um, Quake, I've been looking forward to this. And she says, huh. Well, sorry, this is just another fight to me. Which, Damn. Yeah. Brutal. That's yeah. the kind of and thing, then, though, that villains hate. Yeah. When, like, the good guy just, like, treats them with indifference. Oh, God. Yeah. Sends them right over the edge. They just want to tend. There's, it's it's the, hey, mom, look at me dive of murder. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> look, mom, are you, date, Quake, are you watching? Quake. Quake, Quake watch look over me. here. I watch. I can do a jackknife. Hang watch on. Watch me run with this knife. And on, she's not, like, no, no, don't look now. Don't look but now. a different way to say no. <laughs> but, just, but instead of being like, no, I'm going to come get that knife. It's like, no, I'm not going to watch you. No, we're going to frame. Also I, topical. I'm and we're going to frame you for murder. Yeah, thanks for James, <laughs> James, James Mullaney. That is a number two reference for that particular joke on Timeline Scavengers. We're going to start keeping a tally. Yeah. I'll, here's the thing, though. What's funny <laughs> is, is that I'm pretty sure that it will actually come up that someone at some point definitely gets framed for murder. So oh, you know that sure. I'm going to go, James, now's the time. <laughs> and you're going to go, nah, nah, I'm not feeling <laughs> it this time. It's Boy, a little I too on really, the nose. I feel really seen by that. Uh, by that. So thanks, Colin. That's, you're welcome. Uh, that's good. So um, <laughs> I, I know you far too well now, James. The thing that, that really struck me, um, that's really all I have, but except for this one thought, mm-hmm. uh, is... We're about to fight, but not right now. Mm. Like she goes off screen to start to start a, a brawling and a bruising, but not. Hang on, we're gonna we're just gonna go establish some more characters real quick and real quick, and now we're gonna fight. See, that um, was good. That was good. I like that. Thank you. And I will definitely edit it so that you only do it the first time. Perfect. Thank you, Colin. You'll um, probably leave, leave this whole part of the conversation. Yeah, it's yeah, anyway. fine. Yeah. Um, real quick. Real quick. That's a good whack. take. That's a good take. I got Thank you. you. A good take. A quick take. Um, quick take. Woo. All right. So. Um, <laughs> quick take. Woo. Bum, bum, da, da, da. Dance. Gonna be second my head now. <laughs> um, <laughs> quake take. All right. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. This to episode's me, like, TV. all over the place. <laughs> it's a uh, TV editing of, of fight scenes is so different mm-hmm. from like Daredevil. Yes. Like network TV where it's like, no, no, no we don't need to. Just follow the fight. Don't go back out and establish some more characters. Follow the fight. I gotta say, we're very spoiled, though, by the fight sequences mm-hmm. of Daredevil because you get into some other shows, like, I don't know, let's just say Iron Fist, maybe, uh, and the fight sequences frequently leave a lot to be desired. I think a lot Listen. of the times because, like, it's not the exact same team. Uh, sure. But like the Daredevil, like one, like one shot fight scenes, yeah. in particular the first one in season one, the hall scene, and then also mm. 
the prison escape in season three. Mm. Oh my mm. god! I mean, like you're rarely gonna find a fight scene in like a superhero show that's that well done. Um, I've been I've been watching Game of Thrones, and it turns out both Iron Fist, Danny Rand, and Colleen Wing are both on the show. Yes. And I've been like, they're not acting like they don't interact with each other, but I'm like. Well, it's um, also the thing of like mean, at the time on? that was pretty much the only thing he had done, and everyone was like, "This guy, this guy's Dan." Oh, God, all right, whatever, dude. Yeah, um, turns out they were right. All right, so uh, got <laughs> so him. I I am the immortal. Got him. Um, all right, so I think if you're all right, I'd like to move into music of 1931 uh, because in I don't know about that, James. Oh, you got some. You, oh, do you have? Do you have some sort of? What do you got? Some sort of segment for me? Yeah, you I got some kind get of get me bit? talking. Yeah, what, James. Why I are you doing this? I've got. <laughs> why are you doing this? I'll tell you why I'm doing this, James. It's because I've always had one question in life, James. One question that's never been answered, and that's who's Freddy. <laughs> All right, James, just one this time around. And I feel like right. this one is once again, like a very easy one. It was so hard to write this one because like every fact about this man just like screams who he is. This Freddie once lived in the state of Maryland, but upon exiting became a leader of a large political movement in the U.S., particularly in Massachusetts and New York. Hey, New York again. Oh. He has a... he. He was a great testament to his claims and writings, as many believed that he could not be this educated to do so. And yet, yep. he frequently proved just how smart he and others like him were. He wrote three autobiographies, which obviously the titles would give it away. And finally, he was named a nominee for vice president, although it was without his permission. James, <laughs> who's Freddie? I got. I gotta say that it, it has to be the. Uh... The name for which the uh, there's a school in downtown Leesburg, uh, which was uh, Douglas School, which was a parochial school, which isn't great. But are we talking about Frederick Douglass? We certainly are, James. Ding, ding, ding. Nice. Okay. That's all <laughs> that I have now, though. So now you can do the music of 1931. All right. Music of 1931. We're going back to Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries. Life is just a bowl of cherries. Mm -hmm. Life is but a bowl of cherries. This is going to be by the uh, the singer that I told you to remember uh, back in episode 34, oh God. I believe it was. Leslie Hutch Hutchinson. I, um, I didn't remember. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We can't only uh, James. I know. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, this guy was born in Guvav, Granada in 1900 uh, when it was part of the British Windward Islands to George Hutchinson and Marianne Ney Turnbull. Uh, he took piano lessons as a child. Then in 1916, he moved to New York City. Uh, he originally emigrated to study for a degree in medicine as he had won a place due to his high aptitude. But instead, he began playing the piano and singing in bars. You know, like you do. Um, Fair. In, 19 in New York City, Hutch joined a black band led by Henry Broadway Jones. Oh, uh, he's he's a black man. That, I mean, I figure. But also, yeah, yeah. that is a dope like nickname. Yeah. Just be yeah. like... Fuck it, just put Broadway in the middle of that. Henry you know? Broadway Jones, exactly. Who often played for white millionaires such as the Vanderbilts, attracting the wrath of the Ku Klux Klan. 
1924, Hutch left America for Paris, where he had a residency in Joe Zelly's club and became a friend and lover of Cole Porter. Um, encouraged by Edwina Mountbatten, Mount, Mount um, who he may also have uh, had relations with, uh, he came to England in 1927 to perform in a Rodgers and Hart musical, which is maybe my favorite musical name of all time, which is One Damn Thing After Another. Um, I don't know if it's a good musical or not, but it's a good title. I mean, hey, uh, that's half the know, battle. That's right. That's what G.I. Joe said. Um, and soon became the darling of society and the population in general. Hutch was a favorite singer of the then Prince of Wales, who later became King Edward VIII. Uh, Hutch was a major star in Britain during the 1920s and 30s and was for a time the highest paid star in the country. I think England. Yeah, of England. <laughs> he was regularly heard on air with the BBC with one of his biggest hits, uh, a version of These Foolish Things. Uh, Hutchison became, soon became embittered by being frequently obliged to enter parties via the servants' entrance in spite of his popularity. Uh, he recorded several of Cole Porter's songs, including Begin, Begin the Beguine? Begin the big. Be- Do you know the song? I don't. There's, a, there's an REM song called "Begin the Begin," but I think that's in reference to this, which the second one is spelled G U I N E. Yeah. Begin, begin the, the begin. begin. And then also Cole Porter's list song "Let's Do It, Let's Fall in Love," to which he supposedly made up some seventy new verses. Now, I'm not trying to kick a dead horse or over trope a trope. But I will say that in some ways, Leslie Hutch Hutchinson was the uh, Red Taylor's version of the 1930s. Um, 70 new verses is pretty wild. We real quick took a listen to mm-hmm. um, a the beginning of a version of Begin the Big Wine. Be, be, begin. Be, begin. I, we just heard it and I already messed it up. Yeah. Begin the Begin. Uh, and it was uh, the rendition done by Artie Shaw. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I just want to point out that even in 2021, that video on YouTube has just under 5 million hits. Nice. That's pretty cool, I feel like. I feel like you rarely see something like that's that old doing like yeah. solid numbers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. Sorry, back um, to you in the studio. Hutch was one of the first stars in Britain to volunteer to entertain the troops at home and abroad during World War II. But he received no formal recognition for his service, and his name would never appear in any honors list. Once again, he was not white, Mm -hmm. if that wasn't clear from basically literally everything I read. Um, So that is uh, Leslie Hutch Hutchinson's version of Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries, and that is it for the music of 1931, and that's all I have for this episode. Fantastic. Well, if that's all that you've got, James, then I think I might just do, if you're cool with it, I might do just a little quick social media. Just rock some social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, if you want to find the show online, you can find the show at Timeline Scav. If you want to find the podcast network that we're a part of, the Scavengers Network, where the Scavengers part of Timeline Scavengers comes from, you can find that network at Scavengers Net. Uh, I just want to say, sometimes it feels weird when I'm like, if you want to find the network that we're on, I find uh-huh. saying that sentence from me always sounds a little weird because um surprise i don't know if we've mentioned on this show in particular so if you're like new to the network purely through timeline scavengers uh i'm the owner and uh the founder of the scavengers network uh, or co-founder mm-hmm. sorry um i have other co-founders okay anyway so yeah it's if you haven't found that out before that's who i am so it's always Sounds very good. funny to me when it's like i'm on 
one of the shows on the network, and then I'm like, well, if you haven't heard of the Scavengers Network, it's like, of course, it's you're in it, you idiot. Like, you know, it'd be weird if you were not on it. Um, anyway, so that's the Scavengers Network at Scavengers Net. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, though, you can find me at Colin M. Parker. Now, James, got a quick question for you. Yep. Where do people find you? Well, if you want to uh, Anderson the Anderson on Twitter, you oh, can uh, find me on Twitter at Unabashed James. I have no idea why I said that like so, like just underhandedly. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> that was not intended. Um, now, what is intended is for me to give you this next name. Uh, it's the man whose music you hear at the begin and ending of the show. That's Nick Bramald. You can find him on Twitter at nbramald, B-R-A-M-A-L-D, or go to his website, nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk. Now, I'd like to recommend a little show, a little ditty, a little number for you. Yes, yes. I would like to mention to you a little show who I just heard a brand new episode of today, actually. I want to talk to you about Spooky Spouses, because Spooky Spouses... Mm -hmm was off air for a little bit and then they came back and they're back and better than ever um and uh, spooky spouses is just such a joy um speaking of the scavengers network real quick trivia fact here for you the very first show on the network was journey under 30 which is a show that i did with one of the other co-founders alex taylor but obviously that was going to be there right we started the network together we made that show together so the first show to come from the outside world to join the network was spooky spouses um Hmm. so they are actually currently the longest running uh scavengers network show which is a very cool little uh fact for you um and so they just came back and so you should definitely check them out it is unbelievably fun and cute and uh sometimes a little spooky uh, and sometimes even a little gross, but not like in a bad, bad way. Just like you're like, oh my gosh. Um, and uh, it's just so much fun. I feel like I've said that sentence five times, but like genuinely, <laughs> I listened to their newest episode uh, yesterday, the, the day before we recorded this. And right. I was just like, once again, constantly laughing. I was like, God, it feels good to have these two in my ears once more. Uh, so check out Spooky Spouses, and you can find them on scavengersnetwork.com. And uh, you can even take a listen to an episode there. And uh, with that being said, though, James, that's yep. all that we've got on this episode. So we're going to skedaddle out of this one, and we'll catch you all on the next episode of Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and days of excelsior? Happy New Year, folks. Welcome to FMK All Day. I'm Erin. And I'm Elizabeth. And on this show, we play no holds barred, f- Mary Kill. 
<laughs> yes, it's true. Only we don't bleep out the bad words. No regrets. Each episode is under 15 minutes, and you can find us on the Scavengers Network and wherever you like to get your podcasts. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.